From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue, west of the Prime Meridian in Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Arthur Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Daniela Gamara to discuss developing games in Peru. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Glad to have you back on the show again. Listeners will remember that we had Daniela on to uh, d- during GDC. Um, we we were yeah, yeah yeah interviewing a bunch of folk at that uh, that playtest event. Me and Mark mm-hmm. and Dale. Um, so it's, we're glad to have you back on again. Yeah, this time it's not like the super shock or surprising for me because last time it was like, okay, you want to have a conversation with your friend in this room? I'm like, okay, sure, let's yeah. go and <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> yeah, now now I feel safe. Now I know it's not just yeah, going was, to my direct death. It was a little sketchy. <laughs> we didn't mean any harm. It, it was, was super sketchy. sketchy. <laughs> Did you guys like surprise it was her? Around it? it was like a follow corner? us down this dark hallway. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, it was wasn't quite that, but <laughs> it was exactly that. It was exactly that. <laughs> it was exactly that. <laughs> well, it had a happy ending anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so one the, when we talked to you then, one of the things that was most interesting is about the um, the the programs that you uh, utilized to get yourself to GDC. Um, as a Peruvian. And so we thought it'd be great to have you back to talk just generally about game development in Peru. This is, I guess, the third part of a multi-part series <laughs> where we have someone in just to tell us about their country. Yeah. Um, and they're always fun episodes. Lots of things we'll get to. Um, but before we do, just real quick for listeners, uh, Stephen, your golden birthday is coming up? Uh, y- yes. Okay, I'm, that's it. I'm just going to tease it because when this episode comes out, it will be... I think your golden birthday, right? Uh-huh. Oh, great. So now listeners know when my birthday is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> cool. Right. So listeners, you know, go ahead and wish Steven a happy birthday uh-huh. on the Discord uh-huh. or on Twitter. Yeah. Um, make him feel real good yeah. about this special day. Aww. And we'll talk more about it next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> okay. So, Daniela, tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you live in Peru and how you got into game development and... How many cats you have or whatever? <laughs> well, I'm going to start with the cats. I have one. You have one cat? <laughs> I have one cat. Okay. Ha, I knew it. Yes. <laughs> and I'm a cat person. I love cats. I love all animals, but cats are the best because they are not that hard to take care. Mm-hmm. You just give them some food and clean some stuff and that's it. I don't have to take them outside. So I love cats. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, a little bit more about me. Well, my name is, as you know, uh, Daniela. I am a she hair, if that's how you say it, like the pronouns. Mm-hmm. Also... I am part of the GBT community. I uh, identify myself as lesbian. What else? I am building a video game studio now, but the way I got into games, it was because when I finished college, I studied graphic design. When I finished college, I was like, okay, what to do now? And in Peru, I think the, like, the wave was a little bit late, but we had all these like, innovation labs, a lot of like tech stuff and a lot of like, new companies and new like these labs that wanted to create like this million dollar unicorn product and they were like okay we need designers and i had no idea how to design like a map or whatever but they just wanted designers so i got into tech for a couple of years and after that and it was in education that like, the mm-hmm. industry was education and we wanted to do, like digital products and in one of the products we found out that a lot of kids in latin america were uh, having this problem with reading comprehension mm-hmm. At first, we found it on Peru, and then we say, okay, so if the problem is in Peru, especially in rural areas, 
it's very likely that the problem is in the whole region. So they, we did a little bit more of um, research and it was, yeah, sure, the problem is in Latin America. So mm-hmm. we wanted to find a way how to improve like their lives and the reading comprehension. We said, what about a video game? That would be awesome. Yes. We were so naive, so oh. naive. No. <laughs> yes, because none of us, I mean, my, my boss and I who were in the, she, she's a product owner, she's like in the business part and I'm all, more into the design and then we hired like a bigger team. Mm-hmm. We were like, yeah, let's do it. It sounds amazing. I can draw and we can get a, um, a developer and we would do a video game. It's going to be super easy and funny. Um, when then we, we started and it was funny but not easy at all. It was one of the most it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Oh, we yeah, yeah. had no knowledge at all of how yeah. to make a video game. We thought, okay, we've done digital products before. This one should be the same. No, no, <laughs> not at all. No, no, no. So we learn like by doing and asking a lot of people, hey, do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? And we had like the, the backup of the company who was paying us to do this. The company is called uh, Intercorp and it's one of the biggest economical groups in Peru. Ooh, okay. So this is a huge company with many small companies and one of them, and they have a lot of like, uh, let's call it products, but they're actually companies. For example, one is a university. They have a school, a university. And the school, for example, which is Innova Schools, it was the company I was working for. They have like 60-something schools in Peru, some in Mexico, some in Colombia, for example. And they say, okay, so if you're, the vision of the product is to Latin America, yeah, we can give you a little bit of money to do this. And then we started. And we were like, okay, we know nothing, nothing about this. People helped us. Yeah, I have no idea how my boss actually convinced the stakeholders to give us money to do that. I have no idea because the the like the game development industry in Peru is very very small, and mm. there is not a big corporation that mm-hmm. has anything related to video games. I see. Even to media, I mean, the biggest thing in media is like um, news, but if you want to say movies or TV shows or whatever, it's very small. Like. Entertainment is very, very small. We tend to consume pretty much, I don't know, 90% of like US, for example, or, or Japan or any other country rather than, than ours. So I have no idea why the stakeholders say yes to us. And then we start this like big adventure of making a video game for kids. And we say, okay, so the style and the story, and blah, blah, blah. And then something happened. I was about to travel to Belgium to, to live. So we started this and then I was like, okay, now I need to leave this beautiful project and then I leave it to one of my friends. And then the pandemic hit. Oh. Dun, dun, and dun. I was like, <laughs> yes. And I was like, okay, I have no job and I'm not, I'm staying in Peru. And I call her back and I say, can you have me back, please? I want to make this video game. <laughs> and she said, okay, come here. Um, we we continue like build building the team. There were already one game designer. We had one uh, learning experience designer and oh, one. Yes. <laughs> that's my day job. <laughs> that's Ellen. That's yeah. my day job. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. We'll talk more yeah, about that later. Also, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, and we have this other designer, and he he loved video games, but he's never worked on video games before, just like me. And <laughs> the only person who worked in video games before was our, our game designer. And, and, and that was it. And then we like hired also like the two developers. And we were trying and trying how to build this thing, how to make kids learn, 
how to like create a test so we can sure that kids are actually learning and not just having fun, but then they had to have fun. So it has to be like super interesting. And we were testing and kids were like, no, this is not fun. And when we make it more fun, the kids were not learning. Yeah. So like, okay, how, <laughs> how can we make this thing work? We had some help also from, uh, there's this guy, I don't remember his last name, but his name is Scott and he works in MIT. And for some reason we got his contact and he and we were doing like monthly calls and say, hey, help us, please. We don't know what we're doing. Because he works on, I think it's arcade something on MIT, and they design video games for learning. That's what I understand of what they do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's how I started in video games. But unfortunately, even if we got to a lot of users and we were having good results, our, our boss realized that if we wanted to scale this, we needed a lot of money. A lot of money. Even for, yeah. for Brew, that the like... Um, because of the currency, the salaries are lower than in the U.S. and in many other like more developed countries. We needed a lot of money, and the company who was hiring us said, um, "No, yeah. it's not gonna happen." Mm. So we had to close the 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 project, and I found an opportunity, a really small opportunity. So I because of this like video game project. Okay, I love video games because it was a mix of storytelling and technology and art. And yeah. I'm like, this is my destiny. I want this. Even if it's hard, I want this. So I decided to go to a master's degree in video games. So I was applying and I met one of the persons um, in, in like the board to see. Uh, and she was, she told me that only having one video game in my port portfolio was not enough. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, so I need to do another one, but I need a team to do another one. And I don't have money to pay people. And even if, for example, it could work with friends, I mean, I'm doing it with friends, my period of time to deliver my application mm -hmm. was really small. So maybe they could travel or something like that. So I say, okay, I need to pay people, but I don't have people. But then, as I told you, the company, well, the company like decided to close our project. So I realized that I had now people who is unemployed. And also they gave us two weeks of paid vacation. So uh -huh. I could pay them a little bit less and they will be just fine because they are already on paid vacations. Hmm. So, hmm, I think there's something that we can do here. And for some reason, I was talking and saying the exact same thing to a friend. And he said, okay, what is the game you would like to, say, to, to do? And I said, okay, I want to do a game about Peru, but I want to make it a little bit different. I want to do something about Cusco because I love freaking Cusco. <laughs> and he said, huh. How much do you need to make this game? And I'm like, uh, uh, I don't know. And he like looked at me straight in my eyes. How much do you need? Okay. And I said uh, like the amount that I thought I needed. And he said, okay, let's do it. I'm like, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> Wait, what, can you repeat? And he was like, yeah, I want, because, and then he showed me like a presentation he did because he put all his ideas on, into like presentations or something like that. And he had the idea to make a video game about Cusco and, and Peru like seven years ago, but oh. he needed a team and he knew he would not be able to like just make a team because he was doing other stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and he said, okay, so you just build this, you have a team who already delivered a game, like make it. I'm like, okay. And then 
if I'm doing this, I'm just going to start the studio. Let's, let's try it. I mean, if it falls, it falls. Like, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And we did it. Yay. And it was also one of the most intense experiences of my life, again. But it was <laughs> super interesting because uh, he said, okay, you have, like, uh, also money, travel to Cusco for three days, have, like, all the... Uh, I don't know, take pictures and have all the experience you want and talk about, we, we talk about it with many people and I talk and I travel. And I was like, I felt like, um, like Indiana Jones for some reason. Like going to ruins and, yeah, like going to ruins to see what's the mystery because I, I had the idea of the name before. Like the fir- my first idea was the name, just Cusco Paradox because I like Cusco and I like weird stuff. How, how can we like mix it? So I went to Cusco to find my paradox and I think that in the in the journey, I was doing also the research, and I realized that there is nothing like related to LGBT community. And I think we talked a little bit about that in the in the previous podcast. That mm-hmm. in 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 Peru, because of the colonization, a lot of history is lost. Right, a lot. Yeah. yeah. For example, we had no idea of many many things about the Incas and all the cultures even before the Incas, because. The people, like the the people from Spain, were like, mm, "This is not important. This goes against the church, so let's erase it from history." Yeah. And in particular, the the sexuality of of the Incas, it was like, okay, if it's not straight, it will not exist in the books. And I've and I've and I've done a lot of research, and it's that that's that's what happens. There's like one line, two lines, or even like probably one like paragraph about it. Mm-hmm. Be- because it, yeah, because the way we remember things about the Incas is because of the Spanish people who wrote the history about it. Because right. I don't know if you knew guys, but the Incas didn't have written language. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they yeah, they only like talk things and they had some symbols, but it, it's not a written like language. So we don't have records of how the life were. Oh yeah, we, the only records, learning written records we have were the things that the Spanish saw when they met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you can see there's a lot of, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of bias, obviously. Mm-hmm. The Incas were like this, and the Incas were like that. And when you find these small like lines about it, the Incas were not homophobic, for example. They had an idea of what were like sexualities rather than just straight. Mm-hmm. But we don't have enough information to say, oh, yeah, they were super open about it. But mm-hmm. they were not, for example, killing people for it. Yeah, right. and yeah. I did a little bit of digging, and they even have some gods that, for example, have two genders, and they call it gods of two nature. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. For and and yeah, and when I and I use one of these gods, and they have also um, priests that were uh, born as males, but they were raised as uh, like as females. So. Hmm. You could say there is like uh, this this thing with gender, and they but when you see this kind of like gender expressions that are not like normative, they are mm-hmm. always related to gods and sacred stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I saw this small like information, I said, okay, I can build a world about this, and then probably when we get more financing, let's like do more more research because I talked with a lot of researchers, and they all told me that there are not. Um, research or enough research for you to be able to do like a big thing but if you create this you this could be the spark 
to start doing the research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay, yeah. I like I took that um, and we turned into a story like a l- kind of love break story between these two boys in Cusco, like the modern Cusco. Um, one of them, when they broke up, one of them is so sad that he wants to forget everything, and he talks with a demon, and this demon kind of like tricks him, and they turn the whole world uh, down. Oh, sorry, uh, upside down. Yeah. And that's when we, we start like the game that is called Cusco Paradox. And uh, the story is that this guy who goes to the underworld, that in the Incas Cosmovision is called um, the Ucupacha, that is like the world of inside of you. Mm. And it's okay. different to the, for example, if you, if you think about the underworld, you think about, I don't know, something like hell. But in the right. Incas mm-hmm. uh, vision, the underworld is the world inside of you. So you don't go to this kind of place to like, I don't know, uh, pay for your sins. You go to find yourself. Mm. Mm. Okay. Oh, wow. That, yeah, makes, um, that was really powerful. Guys, I didn't quite know what that meant when I was going through the game and I saw that word come up, but it totally resonates with the environment that you're exploring as the character. So mm. I'm like, thanks for, thanks for defining that. Yeah, I, I, I remember when I played it at GDC and just the way you talked about it to us then um, and reiterated it here for listeners now, the thing that I really, really like about it is like you say, there's just these little tastes that are available for you to hook into. Yeah. And so it's not that you're going in and, and saying, this is what was the true interpretation. You're saying, I'm going in and I'm going to do my own artistic interpretation based on yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I, I admire that so much because I think a lot of times when artists take on uh, history, there, there's a weight of like doing it right or making sure that you're not making the same mistakes that the Spanish colonizers did, right? Yeah. But I think the yeah. approach you're taking is uh, not a way to like just do whatever you want, it's, it, but it's very purposeful in its artistic interpretation. And so it, 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 it services to introduce these different ideas that are there to an audience, but also you're not, you're not presenting it as the uncovered truth Exactly. Right. And I think that's, and, and that's because I think if you're burdened with having to do that, then those things will stay hidden. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I really like that approach to it that you just, you, you, you didn't, you, you had the confidence to just to go in and say, I'm going to take the little I've got and I'll build something out of it. And, and that is true to those things, but doesn't purport to be more than what it is. And I really like that a lot. It feels very like, very, very like, hmm living way to go about it you yeah know? like it's it's like you're adopting this the the what you have of the culture and trying to blow on the flame a little bit and like yeah it's living again you know because you're not you're not presenting it like a like it's a dry academic presentation yeah or like a document right you're you're making something new with it and that's yeah that really sings that's cool mm-hmm. I, i'm just excited for you know uh, we got the preview when we played it. Like yeah. we, we got the, the yes, you played the demo. Yeah, and well, we, you explained it to us too. But I'm imagining players playing it and getting inspired to learn more. And I, that's such a cool. You, when you make art, you always want the 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 person experiencing it to do something with what you've given them. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a really great avenue uh, that you've set up for people to then learn more. You know? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, I mean, I, I asked a lot of people, I did a lot of service to try to, for example, not commit the, the mistake of doing something and then people just hate me for it. <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah, because that, that could happen. And mm-hmm. I had a, a couple of comments that, for example, one girl told me that 
if if I make this game, she's gonna be she's gonna feel like super happy, but she knows that people's gonna be pissed about yeah. it because mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know, but in Peru and particularly in the highlands of our country, the sexism is very strong mm-hmm. and the homophobia is super strong. There's this; it's even dangerous for, for a lot of people, particularly oh. for men. For some okay. reason, they don't care about women, but um, in in cases of, of of men, if you see like two guys kissing and they look for some poor, uh like the people living in Cusco or not in the city, but a little bit of the outside, they might be in danger. Mm. Mm. Wow, I did not. Yeah, know yeah, yeah. It's 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 a bit sad, but Peru is still a very conservative country. It's very sexist and homophobic. It has a lot of beautiful things, but in this like social part, we still have a way to go. So she she told me that a lot of people is gonna be pissed. So like if you actually make the whole game, because the demo could get to like a certain part, but if you mm-hmm. make the whole game, mm-hmm. you need to get ready for a couple of hate comments. And I'm like, okay, just yeah, like yeah. bring the fire and let's <laughs> try it. Now, once again, I'm I'm think I'm a little bit naive about it because it's probably gonna be a little bit more intense if it actually comes to like, to like um, a whole game there's another girl who uh, she's an she's a trans activist mm-hmm. and she's the one who told me these stories about how gender is seen in the in the incas cosmovision mm-hmm. as something related to sacred and rituals and like be, be, being very close to god because mm-hmm. in the incas world as well there is this idea of dualism and right now we have this the idea of dualism as like male and female but for them, for example, you need to put them together as just one being mm-hmm. that also have two natures to get closer to the gods. Mm-hmm. That's what like turns the whole like being like complete. Yeah. You, you cannot be one or the other. You need to be both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why you can find this in in like rituals and in gods like the one like, like the one I told you. And she told me something that like moved me a lot when she played the game. She said um, I wish something like this uh, could have been when I was a child because she she's she's this trans activist, but she also looks and research for a lot of like things that could uh, especially with gender, not yeah. necessarily with sexuality, but with gender, what could be or happening all the like pre Incas or Incas culture that said that gender is not just male or female. There there are a lot actually, but we just don't know and she said that for her going to her going to her roots and seeing that in her own culture a thousand years ago there were different expressions of gender mm-hmm. helped her a lot and yeah. she said and seeing this in a piece of media like a modern piece of media will be like for her like yeah. what is this something that could this happen mm-hmm. yeah and she she helped me a lot like to finding names because it's very hard to find names and the stories that i that i told you but she helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that it's that confidence that the game has and and that and the listeners can hear it in your voice. The the determination that this is this is the vision you're going to be presenting. Yeah. That I think is that's what's key to it is like you said being able to see that um either if it's yourself or if it's something that's foreign to you that you don't understand. I think that helps it doesn't just help the people who need to see it in the world. It helps the people who you know have their eyes closed to it, mm-hmm. um, and 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 it's with like you say with those if those consequences are real, um, I think that's that takes a lot of bravery to 
to take those steps forward. Yeah. Um, because the, there is a lot on the line. Like you don't, it's, you know, you don't want someone to find some fault and then, you know, use that to, to criticize. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and because it's an artistic interpretation, there's a lot of potential for that people misinterpreting it or, or thinking it's saying yeah. something that it's not. Um, or, or really just looking past the research you did to give it that authentic feel, the things in it that, 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 you know, that there's a, t- a taste of and deserves to be seen. Um, it's, I, it's, it's a challenge. I'm glad you're taking it on with like the enthusiasm that you are. Um, because I think a lot of people really benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think the same. I'm also a little bit scared when we actually finish the game, what, what will happen after it? <laughs> yeah. Will people burn my house or what? But oh, I don't no. think we'll get to that stream. Yeah. <laughs> um, Danielle has been on the show before. You guys met her at GDC. Yes. Yes. You guys played games and you you talked to her and you made her talk into a microphone in a scary room? What? <laughs> Not quite that, but... Some listeners will remember that we had Danielle on doing a, one of our field pieces yeah. from GDC, mm-hmm. which is what we'll call it. Um, and uh, that was a great part of that episode, but there was actually a lot more we recorded with Daniela and a bunch of other people at GDC. Right. And so my question is, how can I hear that stuff? Well, Mark, you should be able to answer it because I'm pretty sure you put it up on Patreon. <laughs> oh, right. I did. I put it up on Patreon. And so that's where I can listen to it. But it's also where you, dear listener, can listen to it if you do one thing, which is... Give us money, get stuff. Right. That's the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> but not just that. So, you know, we're halfway through this episode. And of course, you want to hear more from her. Mm-hmm. You can hear more from her in that GDC episode. You can hear even more on Patreon with the full interview from GDC. But I'm telling you, folks... We have 30 more minutes of talking to Daniela about all sorts of interesting stuff, more stuff about Peru and just stuff about uh, uh, gamer motivations, our favorite games. It was a great discussion that was outside the bounds of today's episode. Well, we didn't want to get rid of that. So we, we packaged it up for you and it's on Patreon as well. Yes. With a bunch of other stuff. Yes. So there's more than just Daniela, but she's now representing a sizable portion of, <laughs> yes. of our, our bonus content yes, that's yes. available on Patreon. But it's that and a whole lot more. Now, Stephen, I've noticed you haven't said much so far. <laughs> can you tell listeners where they can go to give us money and get that stuff? Yes, you can go to patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. Give us money and get that stuff. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
I want to ask you then we'll get into just like the game dev scene because like you say the okay. the industry is very small and the the region yes. the region you're part of is sort of very conservative. Um do you ha- you know what I mean what you need is you need allies to help you not just make the game not just to you know fund the game and release the game but to support it. And yeah. so what's it what's is the community like? Um, you know what institutions are available, what organizations exist. It's a very small like industry. Once you know like mm-hmm. a couple of people, you like know all of them. For mm-hmm. example, I was yeah. asking a little bit about about this to one of my friends. I said, "Oh, you can talk with this and this and this person." And I already talked to them because <laughs> it's it's very small. He said, "Yeah, my this this friend from a long time. Probably you you don't know who he is, and he actually helped me doing the game before. So mm-hmm. it's it's so small that you always find someone you know. Um, so players, uh, you can say there are two universities that are like having uh like an actual bachelor degree of game design, mm-hmm. but what they do is not just game design because. And this tends to happen. It also happens in design in Peru. You you say, okay, so your bachelor is in design, but you know a lot of different types of design. Because, right. and it happens in Peru and also Latin America, and I guess probably in many other countries, that when you get out, uh, there are not as many jobs in many parts. So you have to know a little bit of, of everything. Mm-hmm. And in the right. case of game design, they finish being artists, developers. They do a little bit of everything as well. And, mm-hmm. and they try to like find a job there are like, two universities doing that also we have the IGDA in Peru as well mm-hmm. oh, yeah okay. and they do a couple of, yeah they do they do a couple of events the game the Lima game jam for example is probably the biggest the biggest event there are small game jams but I since I'm I'm, I'm a very like new kind of player in the in the team I'm very very new there's <laughs> people working on this in, since like a lot of time before me, mm-hmm. I was just like uh, lucky enough to go to the GDC and talk to you guys. And yeah, hey, <laughs> let's let's do another podcast. We also have, uh, I think there's almost 30 companies of video games in mm-hmm. Peru. But okay. most of them, yeah, yeah, but most of them do work for hire. Most of them also do serious games. For example, let's do a game for like um, marketing for this other company. Let's do a small game for... I don't know, help your employees having a better, I don't know, uh, training to do something else. Mm-hmm. It's not creating their 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 own IP, which is it just it's not bad. I mean, it's making others like to have also the the, the environment to create their For example, in, in my case, I know that if I have if I want to continue growing on Peru, I need to do some work for hire because mm-hmm. I don't have the capital right now to go and say, okay, let's have like this big amount of money and do all the games we want mm-hmm. i i need to first get the money or having another like investor like the one i had the last year who just like appeared and and just like have the money um mm-hmm. also what else the two biggest um studios in peru one is called leap studios and the other one is called bantam they do their own ips but for mm-hmm. example bantam does a, does a lot of work for nickelodeon i think and a oh, little yeah. bit for for disney so it's work for hire but for bigger companies mm-hmm. i bet for example bantam is the biggest one and mm-hmm. it sure. has almost 60 something employees mm-hmm. and that's the biggest studio of the country mm-hmm. wow. so it's still like a, a it's not a small company but it's not a big one it's like a, Right, right. Close to mid-sized company. Yeah. Also, I've been also looking for studios that have uh, that are building their own IP, which is like the rarest, the rarest thing in, in Peru. We have, for example, Seven Bit Games, 
I think they did uh, Rhythm Doctor. Also, we have Rebel Rabbit. There is Dream Potion, Sombra Pixel. There are like five names. I can like type to you later type if you want. And they're doing their own IP, which is awesome. Also, I think 2021 was the best year for Peruvian game development because we uh, finished the year with three original games. One is uh, Tunche that got a lot of like attention in outside of Peru. The other one is Night Reverie that got attention in China, which is very interesting. Hmm. And the other one, which I didn't know before, but I've been doing a little bit of research, so I can <laughs> tell you now, is called uh, Dual on Board. And this one is from Rebel Rabbit. Also something that you'll find probably very interesting, and I don't know how's like the whole like, scene of indie games in, in the US, is that most of the studios work with pixel art. Oh, really? Most mm-hmm. of the studios work with pixel art. Yes. Hmm. Uh, unless you are these two big companies, if you see like the smaller companies with their own IP, most of them are in pixel art. That's interesting. I wonder why that is. I, I think sometimes I something can um, it it can sort of catch on, yeah. right? I think that there's like like you know in in the Twin Cities scene, there was a period where everyone was developing four player oh, that's co-op true. games, yeah, that's a good and one. and that felt separate from the broader trend of co-op four four player co-op games. Yeah, just for some reason, it swept through town, mm-hmm. and so I think that can be some of it. But Danielle, you have a, a another theory or a theory anyway. I mean, I think I think what you said is one of the of one of like the, the reasons, and we also mm-hmm. probably a lot of people who likes indie games love pixel art. I love pixel art mm-hmm. as well. It's same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. But but I think one of the other reasons is that we have such a young, well, not young, but it's kind of new. Like these companies are very new, like a couple of years or that when you hire artists, and this happened to me. That's why I think this is one of the reasons. It's very hard. For two artists with different styles to create one, and you oh, can say, "Well, okay. but this happens. This happens in the U.S. all the time." But I think it happens in the U.S. because you have this big industry and artists <laughs> study to do that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. here we don't have like these artists who will work in companies. We have illustrators, like mm-hmm. independent illustrators, and then we hire these independent illustrators who came with their own Polish style mm-hmm. to our studios. Mm. And it, it happened to me. I had these two very different like artists. And when I put them together, it was so hard to finally get like a, a, a piece of something. Or say, okay, let's do yeah. pixel art. Because yeah. with pixel art, we can like mesh it a little bit. And mm-hmm. it's pixel at the end of the day. And if you have like kind of a, you, you could, I work as a, I work in, in Cusco Paradox as like the, also art directors. So I say, okay, all the lights should be in this direction. All the, I don't know, the details are in this other direction. So that was one of the reasons how we could like put all together. But it was super hard at the beginning to put the st- two different styles from different people in one place. And in the other game that I'm working on that I will tell you um, later, mm-hmm. uh, it happened the same. Oh, no. I yeah. had more artists and we decided not to do pixel art because we wanted like, to grow a little bit and change a little bit. And it was super, super hard to find <laughs> one style yeah. that could do that could work for them because there are artists that are super good at, mm-hmm. car, at character design. Mm-hmm. Right. There are other artists who are super good in background design. But when, when you put the styles together, even if you say, okay, just this use line like black line, this, let's use this and that, at least in my experience, it's hard for them to yeah. mesh. So you find any kind <laughs> of any kind of efficiencies in your logistics that you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, that, yes. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
and I think that that's one one of, of probably one of the reasons, but also that we all love pixel art. Yeah, <laughs> it's easier, yeah, and it's also easier to animate on pixel art. Mm-hmm. It's just it's, yeah. it's more, I mean it's not like the easiest thing, but it's not as hard at least for me and my friends to like do the, yeah. the cutout animation or frame by frame animation. Look at the frame by frame with five pixels and it looks good, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we can go with it. Yeah, and you were saying that a lot of people who who study either at university or for themselves game design they come out of it knowing a little bit of a, of a lot of things and so yes. pixel art is a style that can that a lot of people can work with even if they're not the illustrator so i i totally see that as well like yes. just yeah it's exactly. practical right it's practical it is practical when you see portfolios of the students going out from these universities i had to see a lot of portfolios this couple of weeks because i was building up uh, like the, the team for the next year is 99% pixel art, which is very funny, but it's because it's easier for them to do that on their school. So mm-hmm. you have a lot of games now with pixel art, and you will see a lot of Peruvian games with pixel art in the, the next year, or pixel art or 3D, because there's also this the 3D, the 3D wave yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. here, which I know is like super normal for you guys, but for us, it's not that normal. We're still polishing our 3D like well, skills. I mean, as indie developers, we, we don't dabble as much into 3D development as you'd think. Um, yeah, our scene really? is, is only a couple of, a t- of, of toes in that water. Yeah, yeah, specifically yeah. here in, in Minnesota. Yeah, And it's interesting because we have a bunch of art schools Right. Um, but uh, and some of them do 3D art, but yeah. they, it hasn't been if I made that connection between those different communities. Yeah. As much. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas like bigger cities like or bigger game dev cities, you know, they've got mm-hmm. they've got plenty to spare on everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes, you're right. You're right. A lot, yeah, yeah. A lot of budget. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it really comes down to when you have a community. Everyone has their own ways of they they came up their own way, right? right? Everyone has a different story as to how they got into it. Generally, um, there's some intersections here and there. But then once you're once you're ready to work and ready to you know, not that you're done learning, but that you're ready to put it put to use, mm-hmm. you still need to learn new things. And the people who will teach you those new things are the people around you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots yes. of cross pollinations of knowledge. And so everyone starts to start knowing the same things. And so whatever it is, uh, you know, the knowledge sharing. Is uh, you know benefits from whose knowledge, what came to the pool, you know? right, right, <laughs> or or put in the stew before you mix it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sometimes it's arbitrary, and sometimes you can trace it to a, you know a practical reason, or you know it's uh, um, or like oh, there's this one particular program nearby that that teaches this one thing, and that's why we all know it, yeah, right. even though we yeah. didn't go to that or you know whatever something like that, right, right. yeah, because people sharing information, so yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, pixel art is awesome, though. So, <laughs> that's true. I love pixel art. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But something that is very interesting as well in like the the, the Peruvian game development scene mm-hmm. uh, is that it's actually like it's truly growing. And in also salaries, because hmm. probably you know that if like uh, creative jobs in Latin America, and particularly in countries like mine. They are not well paid unless you're, I don't know, like the son or daughter of someone, someone very famous and that's it. And you become like a director in, in, the, in seconds, mm-hmm. yeah. but they are not well paid. But these years, this last, I don't know, three to four years, the salaries, particularly in, in, in like the, for the programmers, but you can also see it in artists, they have been, ha, have been growing. Because, for example, a couple of years ago, and I've been talking uh, with this with one of my friends, and he's uh, the director of one of one of the 
video game careers on one of these universities that I told that I just told you. Okay. And he said, okay, because because I know the data from the students, and they told me, okay, three years ago that was their salary, and now for the same position, the salary is I don't know a couple thousands more, which is mm. fantastic. Yeah, it's. I'm not gonna say it's as fast as in technology. In technology, you see like these big salaries for like. I don't know, very, very young people. Yeah. And I, I, it's happens the same in the US, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. But in game development, even if we, you, you could think, okay, so this is a very hard business to, to get in. There are, like, there are now companies that could pay a little bit more uh, for people. For example, Lima is a very expensive city for the salaries in, in, in the country. Mm. With the minimum wage, you are not able to live in Lima. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can do it, but it's going to be extremely hard. Right. Mm -hmm. Extremely, extremely hard. There's people who live with the minimum wage, but they're they don't have a good time. They tend to have many, many jobs, and it, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. So the 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 salaries in like the game development used to be very low, and you were not able to like have a life and live alone in in Lima. But now a little bit more you can find salaries that allow you to live by yourself. So you could say, I can live and, like, independently as a, like, I don't know, game designer or um, game developer, like, uh, like a, a programmer. In, in art, it's still growing a little bit, mm -hmm. but at least game designers and, and programmers are having better salaries. That's Just good. Awesome. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, that's really good. I, we I, we uh, can leave from it now. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that like it, it sounds like there are more uh, funding opportunities because I I mean the, the way you described like uh, that you got funding yes. for your projects. Um, sometimes I guess it was just venture capitalists. I guess just happening to be there, but like it does seem like there are is just more money getting put into um, technology and the arts in a way that is that is good. Yeah, exactly. And that's part that people outside of Peru had realized that you can pay us like, I don't know, three times less than in like a um, developed country. And we'll be like super happy because it's a lot of money for us. <laughs> and we do, can do this pretty much the same job. I have mm -hmm. this friend. He used to work in Bantam, uh, one of mm -hmm. the companies that I told you, like the biggest one. Mm -hmm. right. And he told me now all of the people who got, got inside the company at the same time that I did, they all now work for US companies, like mm. remotely. Hmm. Yeah. Remote remote working has done like wonders for us because uh, not even like just in, in video games, like in all the, te the technology sectors, yeah. we can now work for the like the US or Canada, whichever other country. And we would pay for us a lot. I mean, we have like, we can have like super high salaries and living in, in Peru and we're just, okay. Nice. And that started that start happening. So it's, it's and that, that's amazing. And these people, for example, who are getting a lot more money, they want to also start funding their own games because they have now uh, like a big pool of savings. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can like pay with this money people to start doing small projects and then you can move a little bit more. We can move a little bit more the, the industry because they're yeah. having mm -hmm. more money and now they're like building small teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also something that, that that I wanted to say was that in Peru we have this fund that is called DAFO, like D-A-F-O. Mm -hmm. And it has been growing year by year, but it gives a yearly amount of money to projects to create games. For example, okay. And it's not, it's not a lot of money. You can have like a five months max of development period mm, if, you, wow. if you get the money. It's like, 
I feel I have the, the amount. It's 90K this year in, in soles, which in dollars is, I guess, it's like 24K dollars. Okay. And that's enough for a team of like five or six persons to work for five months and not starve. <laughs> so wow. like just have like normal, <laughs> normal salaries yeah. and, and just do a project for five months. Yeah. And that's for production. And then we have another one that is for pre-production. Mm-hmm. That is, it's way lesser, but you can at least start thinking with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have that. And that is also like last year was 80K. And I think a couple of years before was like 70K in solace. So it's growing also the amount of money that the country is giving to, to video games. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, the best option you'll get is to, if you want to get some funding, which is what I'm, I'm going to try to do at least, is to go outside of the country, like right. get a demo, get my savings or an amazing investor, do a <laughs> demo and then go to like the GDC, go to Canada, go to like any part that could have potential investors. And then with that amount of money, we can come back to Peru and have our, our team working because we can ask for like, as I told you, the third part of the, of the money, and you can get the same quality. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we can have, like, I don't know, half of the money, have a super big studio with a lot of quality and just do whatever we want. Yeah. That's, that's the thing I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's something that's really fascinating about remote work, too, that um, I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure it's been touched on in other places, but um, I don't know if we've discussed it here on the show before, but the benefit of remote work is that, like, people aren't moving to um the big cities to do to, yeah. to to get stuff done like i i mean i'm able to work here um still even though i'm you know in a more uh prolific uh company than i was a few years ago um due to the fact that i can work remotely mm-hmm. um and so i i a lot of the talent that is from that you know is is from peru um gets to stay in peru and they get to help other peruvians um grow as a result of that which is really cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm working remotely. Just it's it's, it's just fine. Uh, Cusco Parado, for example, it was mm. done entirely remotely. Yeah. My previous game, uh, Escuela Cadabra, the like the educational game, was done hundred percent remotely. Mm-hmm. I met my my colleagues at the end of the project when oh, when wow. we closed the project. It's like <laughs> okay, let's let's have a small party or like a gathering to like at least <laughs> see like more than our faces mm-hmm. yeah and yeah we like saw each other and they found out like a super small person you're so much just taller here, just camera. Look normal right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well steven you're saying like yeah. the opportunities that people have i think that more companies more game companies really established triple a companies as well are recognize the value of the remote work there was right. something that went viral pretty recently that like bungie just opened up remote uh, work opportunities in more states in the U.S. They opened up here. In fact. And here in Minnesota. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, uh, we're in the U.S., but in Min- in Minneapolis, we don't have a lot of industry here either. Right. And so, a lo- like, remote work has really helped us because the standard of living in Minneapolis is a bit lower than, or the cost of living, I should say, yeah. is lower than it is in San Francisco. Right. And so, it, it, for a lot of companies, it does make financial se- mm-hmm. sense, um, as you're describing. Like, let's hire some people with salaries they'll be pleased with, and we can save some money. But another trend I've been seeing is a couple of companies will say, listen, that's complicated. We're just going to hire remotely and just give them the same amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> and and which is great because oh, yeah. what it does, it's still very valuable to those companies because it, it opens up the talent pool. Right. So it's not like they're, you know, it's not necessarily, it's not an act of, of generosity yeah. to give San Francisco wages to someone from Wyoming or or from another country mm-hmm. that has a, a lower cost of living. It 
you're just getting a much wider talent pool because I think a lot of these people that recognize, especially in game dev, like, and we've, we've done a bunch of episodes about uh, uh, education, learning how to be a game developer and how there are so many different paths and they're all valid. And so many people hone their craft without needing to be near an industry center or have those connections. Those have value, yeah. but they're not a, they're not a, 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 um, a, a, a qualifier. Yeah. You're not, you don't have to have those things. Mm -hmm. And so we used to talk years ago about how can we grow the, the scene here? How can we get companies to establish studios here or to hire a local studio uh, uh, you know, to, to work on something? Or how can we have hit games come from here? Yeah. And we don't talk about that as much anymore yeah. because the world is just a smaller place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of interesting. And it, what you've been saying about the Peruvian scene does sound kind of familiar to a lot yeah. of the things that we go through as a, sure. as a smaller industry center in the United States. Lots of differences, of course. Right. But some of those things just line up and it applies to places that are not San Francisco. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, for example, um, we can have access to many, many, uh, how can I put this? I can send my like resume to the whole world now. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, like the whole world, and but there's something I have to say. I once worked with uh, like a Finland company, mm -hmm. and it was an eight-hour difference. Yeah, it was hell. <laughs> oh so yeah, not hard. the whole world. <laughs> yeah, okay? that's something maybe we have America, quite... maybe like the <laughs> yeah. whole continent, Western Hemisphere. Yep, yeah. Yeah, we haven't quite figured exactly. that part out yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I work with yes, people in, in Europe, and it's tough. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah. I have a person on um, mm. my client team who's over in like the Netherlands and I always feel so bad for her when we have meetings. <laughs> no, it's insane. It's always too early or too late. And then yeah. in the middle of the day, I feel like a sandwich. Like I can do, like, I can, I don't know. I cannot relax at night and I cannot wake up like, like a normal person. I'd wake up like 5 a.m. in the morning and I go to sleep like, I don't know, 1 a.m. because I have to have the, like, you know, the meeting or something. So right. I tried once and I will never try it again. Yeah. <laughs> only in America, like only in the, in this yeah. continent. Yeah. 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 Yes, you're right. Something that was very interesting for me after going to the GDC, which, by the way, was a very intense experience. It oh, yeah. Many oh. different senses. Yes. It was my first GDC, and it was just insane. I yeah. had no idea. It's very big. How the, yes. Yeah. And I heard just like it was in the like 70% of its capacity or something like that because it was I'd the first one even, after the pandemic. It was like half capacity. Yeah. yeah. Even less than, yeah. Half That's... capacity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God. It was, yeah. Ellen was saying the same thing because it was her first GDC. It was. And I was like, there's so many people. And everyone's like, oh, really? They're, usually it's more crowded. I'm like, huh? <laughs> no <laughs> way. More, more crowded. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Okay, so it was super intense. I don't know if it will survive like a full GDC. <laughs> well, we all have different senses of personal space now too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that was one of the most interesting things for me when, when I went there, apart from meeting you guys. Aww, was this, well. um, <laughs> it was actually like very crazy like to meet you guys and now be here talking with you. Yeah. But something that like a current theme that I was like listening to and thinking about it, what I was on the GDC was what were the emotional needs of the players? Oh, mm -hmm. sure. Because, mm -hmm. because I was trying to understand why, for example, some people like one, one type of games and why people like other type of games. For example, my sister, she's like very cute and very like, she's like super chill. She plays very intense games. For example, mm -hmm. she plays Hades like for hours and hours and hours and is yeah. just fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And I cannot play Hades, not even once. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I'm and I and I'm more intense, like my personality is way more intense than her. 
And she plays Hades, and I play Night in the Woods. It's super, <laughs> yeah. it's super, it's super different. Right. Um, for example, I I think the games that I like a lot for like like Hellblade or also like other media that I like is uh very cathartic. Like there is something very intense, but like in in story as well, or or very like something that makes me feel a lot of emotions rather than like small little like intensity. Like could be like for example, um. For uh, shooters, for example, I like shooters, but yeah. my sister loves shooters. Like, <laughs> she, she just loved it. And it's like this, uh, like, bah, 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 bah. she loved that. And she's a very, like, chill person. I love like, the big intensity of something like grandiose or, like, catastrophic or something like that. And probably that's one of my uh, emotional deeds, that I like these kind of stories or experiences to... I don't know, get through my own emotions or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah. And I, for example, don't like online games. Mm. It just gives me anxiety. The same <laughs> way people give me anxiety, people in virtual worlds give me anxiety. <laughs> but there's people who love online games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So something that was super interesting was, okay, what? Well, how can I find this like type of people and then type of like games that they like? What? Well, what kind of needs are or like what kind of emotional needs yeah people is looking for in games and if you like have your own like emotional needs in games yeah that's interesting because like i um for me as a gamer i think i'm more i think it really just depends on the mood as i really love just trying a lots of variety of games um i, I want to think about that now like create like a game feelings journal well, it reminds us reminds me of um, the gamer motivation profile. Yeah, yeah. Which we we took as a as a as a podcast like a hundred years ago. Right. Which is probably to do it again because things may have changed. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your 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 emotional needs change um, yeah. throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year. Yeah. Um, and so, like the games you want to play will change as a result of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 um that's fascinating. Do you do you know like what talk? Oh, oh no! It wasn't a talk. Oh. It was something that I've been like just hearing. For example, I okay. went to this workshop of. Uh, I think it was a workshop to create games uh, to try to stop or just to raise awareness about uh, climate change. Oh sure. And the the girl the, the girl on the table, I just asked her, "Hey, who are you? What do you do?" And she said, "Oh, I do research for Xbox." And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. What do you do? Like, <laughs> what does a like Xbox researcher does? And she said, "Oh, we work with emotional." Um, she didn't say emotional needs. She said another words, but in my head it, it translated to emotional needs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she 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 told me that she does like this big research, um, trying to like match. Okay, how does people feel and why they feel it? And why, for example, there's a lot of people who like to play mobile. Uh, sorry, um, online games, sure. and there is not that much people that like to play. I don't know. I don't know. Like this other like niche. Uh, kind of games yeah okay um i asked her can i see the paper i just said no it's confidential because it's <laughs> <on Xbox." laughs> but, but yeah after i had the conversation and for some reason everything in my head was oh this can be linked to emotional needs or, or this other thing could be linked to emotional needs and for example since i come from a like a product development background mm-hmm. we tend to solve a different kind of need for example mm-hmm. uh i don't know uber solved the I'm going to call it physical need. I have no idea how to call it, but I'm going to call it just 
physical need. Mm-hmm. Uber like just solves you a physical need. It mm-hmm. solves you. I want to get from here to there, and I want to have like the minimal interaction possible. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, or maybe that's like the emotional need, and then the yeah. physical need move from here to there, and then the emotional need is minimal interaction. Right. And yeah. Then you yeah. Have- yeah. Many, many other products that have like, okay, this is my like, physical need and we tend to build pro- products around physical needs. But in video games, we don't, I mean, obviously humans need to be entertained with something because if not, we'll, we'll become crazy and existence <laughs> will have no meaning at all. But... <laughs> Yeah, we, but we, we got we to the heavy actually... topic in the end. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to read more about this. This is super yeah. interesting. But okay, so video games, for example, uh, something I heard is that we create problems that you want to solve mm-hmm. for yeah. some reason. Yeah. We, we, we create like something that you have to do, and we tend to don't want to do anything because we are tired of working or something mm-hmm. like that. Or, and, and product development, we like make things shorter for you but in games we make it like longer mm. yeah like it's, yeah. it's a completely different approach yeah and i have um well i just find it like super interesting i would love to have more information about it and more like thought on it but i really want to understand how can we like how because i'm new on, on games i'm very new on not like playing games but i'm new on like trying to see games as something other than uh, just having fun mm-hmm. right, right and my questions are like why i have fun with this yes um, how can i make money with this yeah. <laughs> okay, this works. yeah yeah a good understanding of that that those needs and 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 how you relate to them how you satisfy them as a gamer yourself impacts the kind of games you want to make yeah or the choices you make in the games you do because a lot of times i think of like the games i make and i'm like they're not always the I didn't fall in love with a genre and then want to make more of that genre. Mm. But a lot of people do mm-hmm. that. They 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 love this type of game and they want to make something like it with their own spin. Right. And I've never felt that way necessarily. Um and but I I should know why. Like mm. right? Mm-hmm. And we should all examine ourselves and because uh, we we can then better understand our, ourselves as game developers. Too. Yeah. It's true. Well, that is a whole other topic. Yeah, how yep. are you, you going to come yeah, through yeah, this sure. and interview us? <laughs> you. Well, let's put it on the list as a topic, and we'll have you back. Yeah. on that. Yeah, for sure. Sure. For sure. Just let me know before, so I can like read as much as I can about for sure. the topic. Yeah. We'll we'll give each other homework. Yep. Yeah, and we'll have to do a book club sure, prior to sure. the episode. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> That's our show. For show notes and links on today's conversation. Go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on Twitter at NiceGamesClub or Dale tweets about game dev resources and Captain Pike. Yeah. We like hearing from you, so tweet back or email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon, support the show, and get stuff. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we'll be looking at curling. You know, it's that game from the Winter Olympics. And also off-ramps. But that's it for this week. So, until we start again, remember to... Play nice. And make nice. Nope. Oh, 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 which browser did I have it on? Sorry, I'm here.
Okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, I started the recording when I... There, so we got that whole... Oh, okay. Bit. That whole thing? <laughs> it will be great at the end of a, yeah. something. Okay. <laughs> 